Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. And during this edition, we're putting the spotlight on Kathleen Murray. Ms. Murray is the Republican candidate for State Senate District 21, which includes Lombard and Glen Ellen in parts of Wheaton, Lyle, and Naperville. Ms. Murray is endorsed by Illinois Family Action, and as you folks listen, I think you'll understand why. Ms. Murray, welcome to Spotlight. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me here. Well, it's good to have you here. You know your district. You were raised in Lombard and then as an adult purchased your childhood family home where you currently reside with your family. So let me ask you this. Does redistricting help you in this election? Unfortunately, no. The redistricting has made a lot of the district to include parts of Naperville. And unfortunately, there's been a change in the demographics of of the Naperville community. A lot of Democrats in Chicago have relocated to Naperville, ironically, many of them because of safety concerns and the rise in crime in the city, yet they still support policies that are... They've been indoctrinated. (laughs) Yes. Now tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm pretty sure that voters in your district are concerned about crime. You brought that up. Uh, Gas prices, uh, their heating and electric bills, and taxes. What else is on their list? Well, when I'm door knocking, you know, obviously crime lately has been one of the the biggest complaints and concerns in the community. But I think there's an attack on family and this messaging that I'm getting at a lot of doors is that parents are frustrated. Families are concerned with the direction of the state and their children being indoctrinated at the age of kindergarten with what's going on at the school levels. And so, you know, one of my main platforms is about empowering parents and let parents be parents. What do you mean by empowering parents? The school system, the government, the school system, and the school boards are trying to step in the place of the parent role, and they're trying to push their cultural and social agendas on young children. It's the parents' responsibility to have these sorts of conversations. The teachers and the schools that are responsible for getting back to basics with math and reading, particularly with the fact that most of the, the children are not even at grade level with um, you know math and reading. And so instead of focusing on education, they're focusing on issues that should be discussions at home. Yeah. And schools are failing, but your property tax bill is still pretty high. So you're not getting your money's worth. Right. And what's so bizarre to me is that most of our, you know, large portion of our tax dollars are going into the school districts. Where is this money going? We're not ranked number one in the country for our um, proficiency, but yet our tax dollars are the highest in the in the country and you know the dollars that are going that are allocated towards these school districts if you're elected you want to propose some legislation that uh, would say yes parents do have more rights here than the state tell me i am a woman of action and i've always been committed and focused so 
on my first day of office, my first piece of legislation would be introducing the Parents' Bill of Rights. And some of the points that I would make sure to be included would be knowing what's being taught at school, understanding if there's any violent activity going on at school. How do you let parents know what's going on in the classroom? I find out about things that are going on when it's already introduced and you know kids are coming home from school and bringing something, papers, or they're talking about it. So it's after the fact that I've I found out about things that are going on. COVID and home education, open your eyes, everything online. It was shocking. Um, fortunately, I was able to work remotely. And so I had my son at the kitchen table you know, next to me while I had my laptop open. And you know, it was shocking to see how little learning was going on during that time. And I, I don't know if it's because the teachers just didn't have an understanding of how to run an online forum. I don't know if it's how they teach at school or if they were just lazy and this was a two-year vacation for them. But it was shocking to see how little learning was happening. And um, a lot of times, at least twice a week, they would have at-home learning with the computer off, which was my son jump, trying to jump on, you know, play video games. And they just trusted that the children were doing the work. So it's no surprise that there was learning loss and behavioral regression and cognitive issues after the two years of the kids went back to school. You think there has to be a way that the school district needs to inform parents in a timely fashion about some controversial topic or whatever, right? Absolutely. It's funny to me because when it comes to a field trip, I have to sign a document far in advance of that field trip for my son to go on on a field trip. Yet the schools don't ask for permission to have conversations that I deem inappropriate. For example, some of the sex ed conversations. And it's not their place to have these conversations. And I would want to opt out, but I'm not given that opportunity because there's no notification in advance. I'm not given a document to come home for me to sign before they consider having those conversations. So that to me is a a serious problem. Tell me point two of the (laughs) Parents' Bill of Rights. We're talking about parental notification. So uh, sex education, notification about sex education, abortion. How on earth can we not have parental notification for health-related, medical-related issues? So if there was a bill introduced in the legislature to reinstate parental notice of abortion, would you vote for it? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I find it ludicrous that I have to have a signature on file if if my son is able to take aspirin at school, yet a child can undergo a major medical event, and I'm not going to even be aware of it, not to mention the psychological impact and the emotional trauma that a child can in- take that upon themselves. It's ludicrous. It's shocking. It's I'm, I'm speechless because I cannot process how anyone can support sure. removing <laughs> parental does, notification. Does your opponent, the incumbent Democrat, does she support the actions taken by the legislature and signed by Governor Pritzker that repealed parental notice. Where does she stand on this? She voted for the repeal. She believes that parents do not have the right to know if their child has an abortion. If she's not in favor of that, 
I'm assuming she's not going to be in favor of keeping uh, parents informed about what's being taught in the classroom. No, she's she certainly would not be in favor of any of the parents' bill of rights. To me, she is in favor of the state taking over raising our children and indoctrinating our children with anti-family values. The sex ed, I read an article where you were quoted, and you called it grooming, okay? You stand by that. I do. It's grooming. What's the end goal of all this? What do you think? To me, it's an attack on family. It's breaking apart that family, traditional family values. It's making children rebel against the family unit. It's an attack on family. You have stated that uh, you would vote to reinstate the Parental Notice of Abortion Act, and there's a lot to talk about there. So after the timeout, I want to get into a life-changing event for you. Also, your experience on the Food Network, okay, and why you got involved in all this when the Illinois Family Spotlight continues. With a one-minute look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. One reason so few Americans are having children is we're convinced that raising them will bankrupt us. Too many parents think that their kids need not only food, shelter, and love, but the very best of every product in order to thrive. One mom recently wrote in The Atlantic that choosing a stroller or a crib now feels like, quote, a measure of your value as a parent and your child's future success. And social media only makes it worse, guilting parents for not getting top-of-the-line supplies and equating certain kinds of consumption with responsible parenting. Writing over at First Things, Kevin DeYoung named this trend kindergarky. Babies don't need fancy things, he continued, and often the best parents dare to give their children more by giving them less. Look, Amazon just doesn't sell what kids need the most. Our love, our time, our commitment to raising them in the Lord, our commitment to teaching them what's true. Give them these gifts, and it won't matter how much you spend on a stroller. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Big Abortion Inc. does not want you to see The Matter of Life, a new compelling documentary film that the Illinois Family Institute is bringing to you free of charge at a location near you. Click events at IllinoisFamily.org. A Matter of Life goes beyond the politics surrounding abortion. This is a moral issue. God is the author and creator of life. The Matter of Life takes on the propaganda that calls abortion a right, health care, and choice. Catherine Walker and Ricky Gersh with 40 Days for Life Aurora believe in the matter of life. And it's so informative on so many levels. It is powerful. Mm -hmm. It really does show the inside of what's going on. In post-Roe America, you need to see the matter of life. For dates, times, and locations, click events at IllinoisFamily.org, IllinoisFamily.org. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Lyric here along with Kathleen Murray, the Republican candidate for the 21st District State Senate seat. She's endorsed by Illinois Family Action. Kathleen, you got a website? I do. It's 
electkathleenmurray.com. Electkathleenmurray.com. Well, you know, I don't live in the district. Why should I support you? Can I help if I don't live in your district? It's all, in my opinion, it's word of mouth. You may not live in my district, but you may have family. You may have friends. You may have colleagues that are in the district. And this race is so close. The In the last election in 2018, the difference between the winning and losing was 12, less than 1,200 votes. Out of almost 100,000 votes, all w- that was needed was 2,000. So yes, if you have family, friends, colleagues in the district, please se- <laughs> spread the word. And uh, also, you know- You could use the money. I could use the money because I'm running a grassroots campaign. I don't have a lot of support um, financially to be able to get word out with digital ads or you know campaign materials, signs. I am- knocking on doors, meeting people, and I'm hearing about all the complaints and the frustrations that people have felt over the last few years. So if you live out of district, you're saying, well, why should I support Kathleen Murray? Well, if you want to change Illinois and maybe at the very least keep the Democrats from their ongoing supermajority in the legislature, then we need to elect people like Kathleen Murray. I think you're going to win for one thing, this Parents' Bill of Rights that we, we talked a little bit about, but I interrupted you. <laughs> so let's go through the list. I think parents are very concerned about what's happening. They see the test scores, and they know how much money they're pumping into these schools, and their kids aren't proficient in math, science, even reading, and their kids are being sexualized in their classrooms. So your parents' bill of rights. So first and foremost, again, it's the right to know what is being taught in the schools and having the materials, the curriculum in advance so that parents can review it. Then secondly is the parental notification, medical issues with obviously abortion or any medical medical issues. So if your kid wants to get hormones, for instance, should parents be notified? Absolutely. Anything that is touching on the health and well-being and safety of your child, you need to know in advance. It is your right as a parent to know what your child is is discussing with a a non-family member and particularly if it's going to impact their medical decisions, health, and and safety. So if the teacher's trying to hide from the parent that their boy or girl is now identifying with a different sex, parents should be notified. Absolutely. I mean, it's crazy to me. And And I laugh because I think how bizarre our world is right now. I think about growing up as a a child in the the 80s and thinking about if a teacher were to pull me aside and have a conversation like that and not want to involve my parents, they'd be in jail. There's some other points. The ability to opt out of any sex education. I think you should have to opt in, which means you've actually read the materials and you've gone through it and you're willing to sign it as opposed to someone who's a busy parent gets sent home and you don't have the opportunity and it's, it, you don't sign it. You know, the, the other thing, too, is observing your child's classroom. After going to several board meetings during the COVID craziness, 
and with my own eyes seeing how the boards react. I think it's important for parents to have the right to observe the classroom. Now I know the I know the federal government protects that right to to observe in the classroom and the some of the states try to some the states are trying to limit this, but federal law trumps state law. So the right to be heard after, like I said, after witnessing the school board meetings, parents need to be able to be heard and, and not just ignored. And then school budgets and the spending, where are the school dollars going? Parents should be aware where the school is placing priority in their in the budgeting. Also, the right to protect the child's privacy. And then finally... Wait, 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 wait. Child's privacy. You're saying that a boy dressed up like a girl should not be in the girls' locker room. I have a lot to say on this topic, but I'm going to I'm going to refrain a little bit and just say that it's a slippery slope and I know in middle school if there was an opportunity for a boy to be pretend to be a girl just so that he can get a, a peek at, you know, girls in the, in the in the locker room, they certainly will. So for me it's it's really the comfort level for in this case for the girls. I I know that my daughter would be very upset if a boy I mean she was she she was very um shy and um you know I couldn't imagine her feeling you know having a boy in in the locker room regardless of you know how he identified well think about when you were in grade school yeah no way I I would be stunned and shocked I certainly wouldn't want to change and where's the line going to be drawn because what if I identify as a a kitten. Are we going to then put litter in the in the bathrooms? You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. No, a lot of nonsensical things going yeah. on. Now, you come from the common sense world of business, big business, okay? Wow. Uh, you have tech, hardware, and plumbing sector <laughs> experience on the yeah. executive level. Yeah. When you see what's happening to businesses in Illinois, you must have some thoughts about what could happen here in Illinois to make uh, this state more accommodating to business. Instead of uh, shipping our jobs to Arkansas or wherever, or China, give me a couple of your insights. Now, right now, you own a restaurant, right? And you have a food truck. Yes, and I'm still, I'm currently the CCO, Chief Creative Officer and President of Global Sales for Titanium Technologies, which is uh, my nine-to-five job. And um, on my free time, on the which is um, the weekends, I, I do the food truck. And then I, I own a restaurant in downtown Wheaton as well. So, But, uh, man, this state is so bad for business. It is. How do we change that? First and foremost, it's the tax issues for the, um, you know, for business. It's from a small business standpoint, it's a very heavy burden to bear as a small business owner. You know, you talked about um, some large corporations that recently left Illinois just within the last, you know, year or less, actually. And that's a separate topic about crime and, you know, safety for employees. And a lot of these corporations have publicly talked about how crime in the city, for example, is driving a lot of the business out of state. So, but apart from that, uh, I think tax tax credits, tax incentives, the for example, the minimum wage. I mean, that's another issue for, as a small business owner. You know, I'm 
I just you know scratched my head trying to figure out how I can continue with a operating a business with the the minimum wage continuing to climb up how am I gonna how am I gonna manage that and and you know there's there's just so much there's just so much cost and licenses and you know permits and taxes and it's it's very difficult to operate operate a business in Illinois you know a lot of the problem is just the the number of government agencies and the uh, bureaucratic redundancies I think there's seven thousand units of of government and you compare that to other states I mean it doesn't make sense there's so much bloat and administrative costs and staffing and well let me ask you what all the hoops you got to go through why did you decide to open a restaurant and a food truck? I had the opportunity right before COVID. I was asked to be on MasterChef Legends with Gordon Ramsay. Oh yeah. And, you know, I'm a corporate businesswoman, but my hobby and my passion and how I decompress is through cooking. I was asked to be on MasterChef and I thought, why not? And my, you know, my kids pushed me to do it because they thought it was cool that I got to meet Gordon Ramsay. And after that, I decided that if I'm ever in my life going to do something food related and dip my toes in the culinary world, that now is a time when my show episode airs. And so I got a food truck and I convinced my son that instead of cutting grass for the summer to make money, that we would form a business together. And I also don't have much faith in our school system. So I thought, what better way to educate my son on business than homeschooling hands-on business and he sat with me and we formed an LLC and we went through the steps on how to form an LLC and I taught him that and I made him do most of it to be honest the first year of it was mostly breaking even I just thought this is a good investment on my son's education and how to open a business at the age of 14 and uh, you know and it, and it, it was great. You work with Gordon Ramsay, yeah. Mr. Adorable, and you worked on uh, the Food Network. Yes. So what did you learn from that that will help you as a state senator? That's a good question. I, I mean, first, I would say the level of stress. With Gordon Ramsay being on MasterChef, having 45 minutes to cook the entree of your lifetime with Gordon Ramsay, Joe Bastianich, Aaron Sanchez, and Paula Dean watching you and coming up to you to distract you so that, you know, they can test your skills. It's the ability to work and perform under high levels of pressure in a very short period of time. That skill set carries over into into legislation down in Springfield that that ability to work under pressure I mean you could see me on on MasterChef go to YouTube it's uh it's uh season 11 episode 3 34 minutes in yeah and you know you can see it I've very cool calm and collected and and so then the Food Network actually reached out to me to uh, do a docu-series about me and and uh and that experience again was also a lot of pressure and stress and um, and balancing a, a lot. You don't have privacy. You don't you don't have that privilege of having privacy. Your life is open. It's part of the gig. Well, you um, said that you would vote to reinstate parental notice of abortion. So we know that Governor Pritzker is making Illinois an abortion sanctuary, using our tax dollars to do that. I'm wondering, what could the legislature do 
to help women who are in tough circumstances have a baby. If they want to have a baby, what steps could we take here in our state to help make that happen? This is something that I've talked about throughout my campaign. I think that a lot of women choose to abort because of fear and the unknown or how they're really fear of financially. Like they don't know how they can manage financially to, for example, raise a a child on their own. I've had some very close friends of mine who were going through some difficult times in their life and discovered they were pregnant. And I tried my best to encourage them to not abort and to find a solution and offered to help. And, And at the end of the day, it always came down to the same theme. And that was not having money, not knowing how they were going to do it alone and financially. And so I think some of these, the funds that are currently being channeled into uh, Planned Parenthood and, and abortions should be funneled in the direction of adoption or option to give women who do decide to, to keep their child some financial assistance to, to get that initial relief that they need to, to give them that safety net that it'll be okay. A leg up. So if the legislature, the Democrats in the legislature say, you know what, we need to crack down on these pro-life pregnancy care centers, you'd be a no vote on that. Yes. Okay, that's good to know. Now, back in December of last year, you're doing some Christmas shopping at Oak Brook Mall, and then shots rang out. What happened? I was shopping for my children for Christmas, and you know, I'm walking past all the holiday decorations, and I had this feeling of Christmas in the air. And I, I open up the door to Aldo Shoe Store, and I'm looking at a boot right in front of me, right by the door, and I hear what my brain processes as fireworks. And I thought, of course, this is all happening fast. I thought that's very odd that there's fireworks at Oakbrook Mall for Christmas. Must be new. And as I turn. I see one of the shooters about 15 feet away from me and I turn away and I remember wincing and anticipating a bullet in my back, in my head. Is it going to hit me in my back? Is it going to hit me in my legs? Am I going to die instantly? Am I going to bleed out? It was a very surreal moment that it's, it's hard for me to, you know, put into words, but in the moment that I'm turning my back and, you know, trying to run and take cover it was life-changing. And I, I got into the back of the shoe store, which there's no exit. And I was there with other customers. I didn't know what the circumstances were. I didn't know if that was a shooter that was going to shoot up the whole store or if they were going to, if they're shooting just people randomly. At, at that point, I just knew there were two people that were shooting at each other. And so I, I got in the back and I told everyone to climb up the ladder and get behind the HVAC system because if a shooter comes into the store, we're like massacre, you know, just lined up against a, a wall in a very small area and we could all be shot down. So at least those that could get up into the overhead could could survive, be out of sight or be behind the HVAC system. So I ran around and I told the manager, we got to lock the door as a deterrent. And, um, you know, I could see somebody down. It was a very surreal situation. And uh, and so when I went back, there were security guards that were now in the, um, in the, in the area. And I, I ran out to one of the police officers and I said, 
you need to know there there are at least two shooters. I think there's a third that I saw that was next to the other one. And, you know, he said, we know. So it it was it was uh, a long story, but I apologize. It made me realize that God put me at that place at that time in that exact moment to experience firsthand the failed policies of certainly of our of the city trickling you know the crime trickling into the into the sub, sub you know the suburbs into our sheltered suburban bubble as a parent that thought that my child could have died you know i'm less concerned about myself but that made me say enough is enough i am not going to stand by and watch our state our cities our communities our neighborhoods crumble because of policies. And so I said, I owe this to not only to myself, not only to my children, but to other parents. I mean, I don't want to see any other child or any person experience what I experience. This terrible situation kind of propelled you into this race for state senate. You didn't need this. No, I have a lot going on in my life and I liked my life. You know, I have a great corporate job. I have a great small business and I have a TV show on the Food Network and I didn't need this, but I thought about running for politics. I've been frustrated the last few years, fed up with our state. I feel like Illinois is burning down around me and I wanted, you know, I wanted change, but it I talked about it. But there's one thing to talk about it and another thing to actually say, I'm going to run. And so while I toyed with the idea of running, it wasn't until that moment when I was at Oak Brook Mall that I said, okay, God, I got the sign that I needed. And I, God spoke to me. It was providence. It was, this is your mission. Wow. What a story. Goodness. I'm so glad you came out of that unscathed, but I'm so glad that uh, you decided to enter the fray because we need people like Kathleen Murray in our legislature, in state government, uh, who care, who are right-minded. So, Kathleen, people need to get on board with your campaign, even if they live beyond the boundaries of your district. How can they do that? Word of mouth is critical if you have friends, family, colleagues, anyone that you know that is in Lombard, Glen Ellen, Wheaton, Lyle, Naperville, please, please ask for them to vote and get out on election day. Because as I mentioned, this it can be flipped. It's a it's less, you know, less than one percent um, in the last election. And secondly, is please donate to the campaign. I'm in the 11th hour and I I can only get to so many houses by myself. And so the website is www.electkathleenmurray.com, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-M-U-R-R-A-Y. There you go. Boy, uh, this is a winnable race. So goodness gracious, with all that's going on in Illinois, you see the failure of our state government. Well, Here's someone who has some good ideas. Is family first. Common sense. Thank goodness. And you come from a business background. Kathleen, thank you so much. And uh, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. Do support the work of Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Also, go on our website for voter resources. There you go. All right. Thanks, folks, for tuning in. Stay healthy. Stay active. God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, 
visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.